Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On Knicks podcast. The New York Knicks, Alex, falling 106 to 103 in Cleveland to an undermanned Cavaliers squad. That being said, on a night when they lost to a Cleveland team that was missing as many as four starters, I think this was about as well of a played game as it could have been given that last sentence. Yeah, I mean, there was plenty to love for Knicks fans, even despite the three-point loss. Emmanuel quickly continues to make a strong case for potentially taking the starting role from Alfred Payton. Uh, Alfred Payton continues to make a strong case for not being in the starting lineup. (laughs) Conversely, R.J. Barrett continued his good play from the other night and probably turned in his, I would say, second-best game of the season so far. Julius Randle's quiet brilliance still on display. All kinds of other stuff going on in this game. So we'll talk about it next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I am Gavin Shaw. In normal times, a play-by-play broadcaster. In pandemic times, just a podcast host. And I am joined by a guy who does far more than podcasting. Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland the greatest Knicks website on the internet. Alex, I appreciate you joining me so early this Saturday morning. I know you had a late night watching the game. Writing the recap, but what an exciting game it was. The Knicks fell 106-103 to the Cavs in Cleveland. Um, I noted it in the preface. The Cavs were missing a bunch of starters. Obviously, the Knicks uh, got OB Toppin back in a regular role, got Reggie Bullock back, still without the services of Frank Nilakina, Alec Burks, and a couple of others. Um, that being said, to some extent, I mean, given the fact that the Knicks weren't at a talent deficit in this game, um, you honestly, you look at the two rosters, you would expect the Knicks to win the game. The Cavs didn't really have a point guard. They were playing Damian Dotson at that spot for 40 minutes and until the end of the game, he was pretty poor there. Um, all that being said, I thought this was a pretty thrilling game. I'll I'll leave it open to you, Alex, where you want to start. Obviously a back and forth affair. The Cavs, uh, Quote note this uh, when Alfred Payton was in the game, pulled ahead in the third quarter. Knicks came back when Emmanuel quickly got back into the game, actually had a 16 0 run at one point. The Cavs went five minutes without a bucket. Back in fourth, qu- fourth quarter, um, a bunch of different guys, including uh, Emmanuel quickly, especially Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, had one in particular, made some really big shots for the Knicks. Ultimately, they couldn't sh- slow down Andre Drummond. A couple other guys on the Cavs made big plays. RJ had two big turnovers down the stretch, and the Knicks fell. So all that being said, Alex, I'll leave it to you. Where do you want to start off in this one? Who, who stood out to you the most? I mean, I think it was Andre Drummond, <laughs> unfortunately. I mean, if we're talking about the grand scheme of the game, like sometimes the other team doesn't have a point guard, and you just run into an Andre Drummond, and he gets 33 points, 23 rebounds, Three assists, two steals, two blocks. I mean, that's just like 
a stupid game from him. He also shot 19 free throws and made 13 of them, which is way better than he used to expect out of Andre Drummond. I give him big props. Like before we get into any of the Knicks stuff, like Andre Drummond has shown so much growth as a player over the years. I mean, he he said prior to this season he wants to be in consideration for defensive player of the year by the end of the year. And like, I don't know, he's not he doesn't seem that crazy, which it, it was kind of laughable when he said it. Because he's basically always just been like a scoring and rebounding machine. But, I mean, his defense has really stepped up. And he's anchoring one of the best defenses in the league currently in the Cavs. Uh, but, at any rate, also Damian Dotson, you know, on the other side, had a really rough game for like 90% of it until it came down to winning time. And then he just stuck a dagger in the Knicks' heart. Um, he got fouled on a, a clear path foul uh, down the stretch of the game after... Uh, RJ committed a, a fatal turnover just moments after uh, hitting a really tough long two that put the Knicks within one. RJ got the ball back, brought it down the floor in transition. And then, you know, there was a nice, it was a combo of a nice play by Drummond, but also, you know, maybe a dribble move that RJ shouldn't have been making. And, uh, you know, he got the ball poked away. Damian Dotson took it, got clear path fouled by Julius Randles. So and he got two shots and the ball. And then came right back and hit a layup against the Knicks. He also hit his lone three on one of eight attempts down the stretch. So Damian Dotson in in many ways gets his revenge against the Knicks as the, the de facto point guard for the Cavs in this game. But like as far as the Knicks were concerned, you know, we we noted it at the top, but I think Emmanuel quickly is the the big story in this game. You know, the Knicks just looked completely different with him out there. Um, as compared to when he wasn't. And, you know, I know it's an imperfect stat, but it, it felt illustrative in this game. Alfred Payton in 20 minutes and 27 seconds uh, was a minus 14 in this game and plus minus. Emmanuel quickly in 27 minutes was a plus 11. So if you do the math, that's like a 25-point swing in this game by, you know, Peyton's ineptitude versus Quickly's prowess. And, you know, I think you just kind of saw exactly what the problem with Peyton is in this game, which is he offers no spacing. I mean, I literally noted uh, (laughs) one of my writers at the Strickland, Jack Huntley, who we've had on here before and we should probably have on again soon because he's awesome. Uh, He wrote an article literally yesterday, like leading up to this game, talking about Alfred and you know how he is like the main reason that the Knicks have been seeing zone so often uh, but also that teams are employing a concept that Jack dubbed man plus elf defense which is they'll play man defense but then it almost turns into like a pseudo zone because it's like uh, they it's like the the opposite of like a box and one uh, where they have five people that you know in theory are assigned to a player on the Knicks, but then one player just more or less completely ignores Alfred Payton to help off on whoever has the ball, usually Julius Randle, uh, sometimes like RJ Barrett. And, you know, that that's to just attempt the Knicks into a, get the Knicks into a bad decision. Or if it gets to Alfred Payton at the three point line, they don't care because he's just not a threat. And that literally happened on the first possession of today's game uh, or yesterday's game, whatever. Uh, but, you know, where Randle had the ball in the post, got doubled by Larry Nance, who was supposed to be on Alfred Payton. 
and then Randall kicked it to kicked it to Peyton. Nance gave a half-hearted contest, and Peyton put up a three and bricked it. And that was his only three for the game. But you know, Peyton had a couple of moments. People that love Peyton would be like, "Yeah, but he shot four seven. He got inside a few times. Like, you know, he did some stuff." And it's like, "Yeah, but he only does what the defense allows him to do, and he can't do anything other than that." And that's the biggest problem with him. Uh, whereas quickly, I think bent the defense to his will. You know, he made a, a, some really smart plays in this game. Shot nine to seventeen, three to seven from three. He was aggressive shooting the three again, and you know the Cavs were attempting to smother him at the three-point line as a result, like a polar opposite of how it works with with Alfred. Uh, and then, you know, he was busting out the floater and uh, even went in for a layup at one point, which we haven't really seen too much at it quickly. We've mostly just seen him, you know, resorting to the floater or trying to draw a foul. So all in all, just an awesome game for quickly, I think. Uh, but I'm curious your thoughts on the quickly versus elf debate, Gavin, because I know that you... <laughs> I mean, I kind of already know the answer, but yeah, I was I, I, to hear it again. <laughs> no, I was I was up, I was, I was tweeting about it uh, all morning, and and I was just I was I was kind of doing it from the big picture, uh, Tibbs' perspective of all this. I mean, at what point? And I guess I mean this game was was kind of the exclamation point on people who are making the argument for a couple games now. Like, look, we're only we're only thirteen games into the year, so it's not like there's no one who's been like I've been beating this drum for years. IQ over Peyton. It's it's been thirteen games. That's fair. Small sample size. Give Tibbs a little bit of time. It, it, it is. I, I I do think people on the outside probably underestimate the locker room dynamics at play and, and the shift it inherently causes um, when you sub out a vet for a starter. But again, we're not we're not talking about like like an aging superstar Hall of Famer who you have to like pay all the respect to the world to. Like if the Knicks had like a thirty eight year old Chris Paul and you were like ah you know what he's kind of lost the step. I think it's. I think it's time to put the rookie in there. We're talking about Alfred Payton, who's been the worst shooting guard in the NBA since he came into the league and has been a consistent negative because of it. And and just, I mean, that's reality in the modern NBA. If you're not a Ben Simmons type of athlete, you're not going to make a positive impact at the point guard spot if you just can't shoot it whatsoever. Um, Emmanuel quickly is, in so many ways, it, it's fascinating. He, he's just the antithesis of Payton. He does almost everything well that Payton does poorly. Um, and I, I would make the argument at this point, I, I said it on Twitter, um, today, what does Peyton do on the basketball court that quickly can't? And, and the, the argument going into the year would be, um, the way he runs the offense, quote unquote, um, it's very difficult to run an offense when, as you said, Alex, literally everyone, um, can essentially single you out and zone just you. That's very abnormal in the NBA. It's not something that typically happens, um, defensively where, uh, as a lot of people noted last year, a, a large portion of his plus minus was that he was actually relatively pretty decent on defense last season. Uh, that has mostly gone away. He has fallen asleep pretty constantly on that end of the floor. He does have good moments of man-to-man defense, and he's pretty good at getting steals. Quickly is also pretty good at getting steals. He's averaging, um, unless I'm misremembering, over a steal a game, despite the fact that he hasn't exactly played big minutes yet this season. And, and and the the biggest point here, which I've made time and time again, Alex, um, is that quickly is just much better with the Knicks starters and with all the Knicks most integral players. If you're gonna have a starting lineup with three non-shooters, which they absolutely do, coming into this game, RJ Barrett was literally hitting less than 10% of his threes. Randall had a really good night shooting it, but in general um, has been a below average three-point shooter this year. Mitch will not look at the basket unless he's right next to it. 
um, that makes it impossible to play Alfred Payton. That that's where I think this is so so obvious. I think if the Knicks had two through five, let's just say hypothetically, let's just say the Knicks were the Pacers and they had shooters at every single one of those spots. Maybe there's a case for starting Alfred Payton with a wide open lane. He can get into it. He's a very good passer. He can set guys up. You can say, all right, that would work. I would still argue you should start quickly, but there would be a case. Given the other guys on this team, it is insanity to start Alfred Payton. And every game that goes by and and Tibbs continues to do it, it makes me question him in that respect. Again, this isn't an overall like fire Tibbs 13 games into the season argument. I, I think by and large, he's done a great job with this team. That is a big issue, and it's a blind spot that I don't understand. Uh, Alex, I'm going to come back from commercial and go into quickly stats and sort of the run running play-by-play from this game. But I'll, I'll leave everyone with one final number before we do, uh, courtesy of Brian Giberman, uh, Knicks fan, guy used to cover the Suns with, good dude. Um, he wanted to note that Knicks, the Knicks in 346 minutes this year, with Peyton and Julius Randle on the floor, they have a 104 offensive rating and a 112 or essentially 113 defensive rating. So it's points given up per 100 possessions. Uh, quickly in Randle, smaller sample size in 88 minutes, they have 115.2 offensive rating and a 109 defensive rating. Um, so they're minus essentially nine with Peyton and Randle. They're plus six with Quickly and Randle. That is a 15 point. Difference. All right, with that, Alex, um, let's take a quick break. So I'm going to tell everyone about Headspace. Even in the new year, it's hard to start a new routine. But if you're one of the 34% of Americans who made a resolution to get less stress, I'll be open about it. I'm one of them. Headspace is here to help. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. That's good, guys. That means independent scientists have put the time in, looked it up, and they told you that over a large sample size, we always talk about sample sizes with the Knicks, that this stuff works. It genuinely helps you. It is proven to make you feel better. I've used Headspace, and I can confirm that myself. It legitimately, over the course of time, um, improves my mental health, something I struggled with for the longest time in my life and makes me feel much, much better on a day-to-day basis. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. If you need some help falling asleep, everyone does. There's a lot to think about these days. Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000, that's a very big number, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. The point is you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash lockdownmba. That's headspace.com slash lockdownmba for a free, wow, that's generous, a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. All right, Alex, I told people how they can improve their mental health. Can you tell people how they can improve their cars? Yeah, you know, I was going to say, once your head's screwed on straight, then you can head to rockauto.com and... You know, I, I'm, I, for one, right after a good meditation session, love to go work on my car. And, uh, you know, it's, I, it, 
in some ways, working on your car is sort of like a meditation in itself. So if you enjoy working on your car, rockauto.com is the place to go. You know, it, a lot of times when you go to these brick and mortar uh, auto parts stores, you go in, it's kind of a daunting experience. There's, you know, there's uh, a guy at the counter that you go to. And like, of course, you can't find the part you're looking for out on the floor because all they have is like windshield wiper blades and like touch up paint and whatever out there. So you go up to the counter, you ask if you, they have the part that you, that you need for your car. And the answer is no, because, you know, it's this tiny little store. And of course, they don't have it there. It's in the warehouse somewhere. And so then you go through the process of ordering. You know, they tell you it's going to be a few days. They're going to ship it to their store. Uh, you're going to have to, you know, pay for it up front and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, whatever. You're trying to do this on a Saturday and now you can't get your part till a Wednesday or something. And so, oh, well, I guess I'll push this off till next weekend. And on top of it, you get the bill and you go like, oh, all right. Well, I guess maybe it would have made more sense to just go to the mechanic at this point because this costs so much money to buy this part from here. And maybe if you're a truly unlucky type, you even see a mechanic there getting a way lower rate than what you got on your thing. And you go, man, that doesn't seem right. Well, that's where rockauto.com comes in. They're going to charge you the same price as anyone else all the time. And it is the lowest possible price that you can find on any given car part. I can attest to that because I've bought a few car parts in my day. And then, you know, I've checked rock auto for similar parts and it's it's night and day you know you get charged so much less it comes right to your door so you don't have to worry about you know doing the whole ship it to the auto parts store thing go back there to pick up your part bring it home all that crap gets shipped right to your door so you don't have to worry about that at all plus they have all the parts that you could ever need for your car really easy to sort through interface on rockauto.com you're greeted by all the makes of cars you could possibly ever think of Click on your make, click on the year, then your model, then the trim package of your car. And there's a whole nice, easy to sort through list of all the parts that you could ever need. On top of it, rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So if you go to rockauto.com to shop for parts for your car, you know that you're going to get taken care of. You know that your happiness is top tier to them because it's a family run business where they care very much about bringing you back for business again. So if you're interested in checking out some of the parts available for your car or truck, go to rockauto.com right now and do so. And if you decide to pull the trigger on a part right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, guys, we'll be back to talk Emmanuel quickly and company in just a second, but 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. The Knicks could use it. We all could use it. If you're betting this year and want more dubs, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get podcast. All right, Alex, bright and early Saturday morning. Let's get back into it. The Knicks, a close loss to the Cavs. Um, I'm just going to pick off, pick up where I left off on Emmanuel quickly. Feel free to jump in and interrupt me wherever because I've been talking for a while, but I just kind of wanted to go through the play-by-play data with him because I think, I I know you've mentioned before, I, I take, take very detailed notes um, during these games. And I think 
quickly. I, I literally like wrote down more like little bullet points next to his game, uh, next to his name for this game than I have for anyone all year. There was just a lot going on in this one, and and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said um, while Peyton takes what the, it kind of takes whatever the defense is willing to give up, quickly was actively manipulating the defense, and, and you can see him growing up in front of our eyes on a game to game basis, and and how. Uh, again, excuse the pun. How quickly he's getting comfortable um, is a is a big deal. That's that's a really really positive sign. I mean, we 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 talked about it with Knox for years, for Barrett for years. The speed, the rate of development uh, is usually a pretty good indicator of what someone's ultimate ceiling is. And uh, I'm feeling pretty optimistic on that front with Quickly. So let's get into it. Uh, first play of the game uh, kind of gets caught up in the debris on defense, leads to an easy dunk. Rookie mistake, and again, that's you're looking for small reasons why Peyton might be out there. He's a little bit stronger at this point in his career, can fight through screens a little bit better. Uh, that was an issue for Quickly on the first play of the game, and a number of times when he got caught up uh, guarding Chetty Osman as the Cavs put out bigger lineups. Uh, missed a floater on his first shot, probably could have gotten a three up, but then learned his lesson on the next play. Um, Noel had a little tip out and Quickly caught it, I think around the free throw line, and, and instead of just taking the two, he backpedals into a three. And, and it, it's, it reminded me, this is a big name to throw out there, but it reminded me of Steph Curry. And, and you see it all the time, especially on the Warriors. With I mean, when, when they were operating at their peak, Alex, and, and just how much chaos they created, created because defenses were losing their minds and saying, oh, shoot, KD has it. we got to run out of him. Oh, no, Clay has it. Run back there. Oh, God, it's Steph. we got to get back out there. It creates pure Chaos, and and you see it all the time. The best shooters in the world, the Duncan Robinsons, the Clay Thompsons, the Steph Curry, they all take advantage in chaotic situations and say, this will be one of three times all game where I could potentially get a wide open three. No one in the world in their right mind would give me a wide open three. I'm going to find it. That's what quickly did on that play. He banged it home, a big shot. Um, Missed an open three a couple of possessions later. Uh, Had another three missed at the end of the first quarter. And and then had a really nice play to open the second. Andre Drummond nearly poked it away from him. But again, the best point guards in the league thrive on those improv types of plays. And if you're someone like Emmanuel Quickly, who isn't going to be able to just blow by someone from a triple threat position or do a Julius Randle and put their shoulder into someone's body from a triple threat position, get to the basket and score, you, you got to kind of play with a live dribble and have a great sense of improvisation. And he did there. Drummond nearly pokes it away, quickly recovers, pauses for a sec, speeds into the lane for an easy layup. Um, another big thing about quickly, we, we know time and time again, I literally just said it. He's not an elite athlete. He's not always going to win again, just from a first step. But what he, what he does have in his bag is the fact that he's such a good shooter. Defenses are already, even though his percentages aren't great, guarding him out to half court. He used that to speed in for a little layup um, on, on one play. And, and it's the type of stuff from Steph you always see where he's completely unstoppable off the dribble because you have this jitterbug of a point guard who you're guarding out to half court. How are you going to stop that guy when, when he turns and goes to the basket? Um, another play where he leveraged his shooting and used it to get by Damian Dotson center steps up, just throws the easy lob to Nerland's to Nerland's Noel. Um, one of my favorite plays of the game also came in the second quarter. And th- this shows you where he's advancing as a ball handler and as a manipulator. He had a right to left crossover to set up a little screen for Noel. Then did the Chris Paul crab dribble where you get someone on your butt and, and, and you sort of stop one dribble to keep them there. And then you start going again. 
um, to a little bank floater. Just just a high like it just uh, on one play. I, I encourage people to go through the highlights and find that one. It was about halfway through the second quarter. He showed off about six or seven different skills that you usually see from point guards in their second or third or fourth season in the NBA. If you're Alfred Payton, you never ever see it from them. And quickly already has it down. Um, then he hit a three off an OB top and steal. Um, last one of the first half, I think he rose up for a shot. Defense rose with him in the moment, sees that Mitchell Robinson is wide open, turns the shot into a pass. It's the type of play. Again, I'm invoking some big names, but just who I think of, you see from LeBron all the time, defense rises with you, takes their eyes off the center, throws it to Mitch line drive of a lob. Mitch flushes it home. That was the end of the first half. Alex, I got like 10 more of these for the second. So I'm going to let you cut in uh, any, any thoughts on, on all those plays. Yeah, I mean, the the two lobs really stood out to me because nobody's been able to throw a good lob to Noel or to Mitch. And to Noel, it's extra important because Noel has, like, like gargoyle hands, you know, on offense. Like, he just – he can't catch anything unless it's perfect. And that oop that he, he passed him, like you said, first off, he, he did the necessary things to ensure that Noel would get freed up. But then – Literally at the time, I was just so <laughs> impressed just with the fact that he was able to pass it to him at all and complete the oop because, you know, even it, whether it's from our favorites or our least favorites, nobody on this team has been able, other than quickly, has really been able to throw consistently good lobs this year, which is so weird considering you have probably the best lob threat maybe in the NBA in Mitchell Robinson. Uh, as far as being able to convert pretty much anything that you put reasonably around the hoop. Uh, he's been getting lobs bad enough that he can't even do that. And that includes from from RJ, from Peyton, from uh, Frank even. Frank had a couple really suspect lobs to Mitch uh, so far this season. You know, so it's not, it's not, there's nobody's immune to that. Uh, but quickly is like the one guy who has been able to throw good lobs. The one to Mitch was gorgeous. I loved that one. Um, it was just like such a such a pure look uh, to him to find him in like a almost a weird spot. Like it was almost too low, but I think that he just kind of knew his target and knew how quick the ball had to get there for <laughs> how quickly the ball had to get there yep. for it to work, you know, for because Mitch was kind of like streaking towards the hoop. So instead of throwing like this is probably the mistake that one of the other passers on the team would have made would have been to throw it super lofty, you know, like, like you normally expect to throw a lob, but the situation was fluid and Mitch was already almost at the hoop. So he threw it more like a, like a bullet and Mitch was able to convert it. You know, he caught it like kind of around his chest and was able to get it up for the dunk, which Mitch can always do. Mitch has like the best feel around the hoop for what he has to do to dunk the ball in, like I said, of probably anybody in the NBA. And I don't think that's hyperbole. Uh, so it was a really fantastic play. Um, Gavin, I, I, I do think we should get into the rest of uh, Quickly's highlights, but I think we should probably give some of your famous betting picks and, and maybe I'll weigh in as well on NFL playoff weekend for betonline.ag. Yeah, um, I'm I'm always I'm always happy. Let's let's uh, we can we can bounce we can bounce back and forth on this, Alex. All right, let's talk about our favorite place to bet. BetOnline.ag. College football is wrapped up. It is no more. But the NFL is peaking. Divisional weekend. Uh, year in and year out. My favorite weekend 
of the entire year in the football season. It's where all the teams are good enough that you're not you're not usually having a ton of blowouts. You're getting these highly competitive matchups, but you still have four games. It's not it's not just two teams. Uh, Alex, I'm not sure what your bet of the week is. Mine is I'm actually I've come around on this one. I was telling people earlier in the week I would put everything on KC against Cleveland. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip a day before the game. That's what I do. I flip flop. Um, and I I like the Browns in this one. The Chiefs a ten point favored. I think I think Kansas City is going to win. I would I would bet a lot of money straight up on Kansas City winning. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than people think. Uh, Kansas City's offensive line is depleted, and now they have to go up against Miles Garrett. He's going to get some pressure. He's going to force some turnovers. He's going to affect some possessions and end them prematurely. On the other side of the field, Kansas City's run defense is not very good. I think Cleveland, um, potentially with Joel uh, Batonio back, uh, their head coach and Kevin Stefanski back, they're going to pound the rock with that league-best offensive line, Nick Chubb. I I think there's a strong case for him being the most talented running back in all football, the combo of him and Kareem Hunt. Baker Mayfield has been throwing dimes off of play action. Again, I think Kansas City will win. I think Cleveland can keep it within 10, though. But, Alex, I'll throw it to you. Is is there an NFL bet this weekend that's standing out to you? Yeah, in that same game, you know, right on betonline.ag, we got the over-under at 57.5 total points between the two teams. I might actually go under. You you might think over based off the fact that Cleveland just smoked uh, Pittsburgh last week and they were in kind of a shootout. But I don't know if I necessarily see that playing out this week. I think that this might be a a matchup that surprises people where it's not quite as high octane as we think and maybe ends up in like a like a 24 to 17 or 24 to 20 sort of final score. So I'm going to say the under on that game. Also, I feel pretty confident. I mean, I don't know if people are feeling really bullish on on the Tampa Bay Bucks, but you know the the Saints are only favored by three. I would I would bet the Saints minus three. I think the Saints are rolling. Uh, they they look really really good. I mean, there's a reason that they were such a high seed, and you know that they finished how they did. I you know Brady versus Breeze, really intriguing. I know it's tempting to think that this is going to be close, but I don't think it's going to be very close. I think New Orleans is going to beat Tampa, and by yeah, more I- than three points. I, I think it comes down to which team can get more pressure on the quarterback. Both those guys at this point in their career struggle with pressure a little bit. Our point is, mm-hmm. we're, we're not betting experts. Our point is, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. You're the expert. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And we want you to visit our good friends and exclusive partner at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the entire business, Alex, sign up for a free account and use our promo code locked on for your sign up bonus. Hashtag bet online. All right, we'll get back into our quickly gasm in just a second. But if you want to get basketball smart, it helps to listen to us. But it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host and former Locked On Knicks guest Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get podcasts. All right, Alex, we spent a long time on Emmanuel quickly. So I will, I will kind of sum up the second half. In, in the quickest way I can, um, by saying that uh, for the first time all year, I feel like IQ was feeling himself 
a little bit. This is this is where we saw him taking heat checks, like going a little deeper into his bag with some between the legs, step back, deep threes. Wasn't hitting all of them, but I love the confidence for him. And I love the lineups that Tibbs was getting him out there with. Again, I, were, I, I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall trying to get him out there with the starters. But I, 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 liked, I liked a lot of the looks that Tibbs was getting for him by playing him with Rivers and reuniting that Quivers combo. But also Knox, also Randall. At one point, he opened the fourth, actually. It, it was quickly Rivers, Bullock, Knox, and Randall. So like an all-shooting all and spacing lineup around Julius Randall. Um, especially against the Cavs. Um, and, and like, look, if Andre Drummond is going to bully whatever center you have in the game, why have a center in the game? And I get that there's something to be said about protecting the rim against guards, but you, you had a greater um, a greater boost by boosting your offense in that sense. And I, I thought it was a good play. Um, but a couple of plays standing out in the second half for me for quickly. Uh, one in transition, this was, just, this was just smart. He ran his defender in, into a drag screen from Nerlens Noel. Nailed a floater from the free throw line, a shot we've been knocking him for the last couple of games because it wasn't going in. Again, today was really confident in rhythm, and he just synced it. Um, had a couple of times where I thought he maybe shouldn't have taken step-back threes, but it's hard for me to complain, and hard for us to complain because we, we always want him to shoot the ball more. I'd rather him be confident and occasionally take a bad shot than to pass up on open ones. If that's the trade-off that needs to be made, and I'm confident, again, with more minutes, with more time, he's going to find the perfect balance between those two. Um, last really good play from him, he had this really nice rebound in traffic, and then he hit Rivers for a wide-open three in transition. Rivers ultimately missed it, but it was it was a really good look ahead and board from quickly. Uh, Alex, um, unless you have anything else to add on him, uh, let me know who you want to talk about next. I will just say, I think the, the my final note on quickly is that as far as our uh, hoping for him getting into the starting lineup, I think that this game showed something positive in that regard, in that he was closing the game with the starters, like the actual starting lineup. It wasn't just like a hot hand lineup where it was like, oh, Kevin Knox is closing because he's he has a hot hand, which we'll get into that more maybe in a sec, but... Kevin Knox probably should have gotten some more playing time. Uh, but, you know, it, it wasn't something like that. It was like legit, like Tibbs went to his strategy, which is usually start the game with one unit and the game with that same unit. And Peyton came back in for like a second. And then I don't, I must have missed this. Gavin, tell me if you saw this. Apparently he got like hit in the head or something like and then got subbed out because of getting hurt. And that's why I quickly came back in. I didn't see that. Someone in the Strickland Slack was saying that, that they thought oh. they saw him get like bonked or something. Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice it. I didn't either. I mean, it seemed to me I I just remember I you know, they had a close up on quickly because they were gushing about how good he had been in the game. And then all of a sudden you could see in this close up like the life drain out of Quickly's eyes as he saw that he was getting subbed out for Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> and he got subbed out and I was like, Well, there's your ball game, because it was with about five minutes left to go. And I was like, five minutes L for Peyton in like a two, three point game. Forget about it. It's over. Like the Knicks are going to lose by 10. And then, you know, moments later, for whatever reason, Peyton got subbed back out for quickly and quickly was allowed to close the game. Tibbs also got asked about that post game. Uh, I think I think it was Vorknov to ask that, although he got asked it rephrased about six different times, to be honest, from the whole beat. Uh but, you know, it, he got asked a number of times and, and just kind of said the same thing he's been saying, which is like, you know, we're testing things out. We're going to play the players that we think give us the best chance to win. Like, 
coach speak, coach speak, coach speak. And, but it did kind of sound like he was maybe starting to actually consider starting quickly and that, that playing him with the starters down the stretch and seeing how well they were playing might have some sway in that discussion. So I guess we'll see as time goes on. I hope that quickly is in the starting lineup sooner than later. All right, Alex, this is a little unorthodox because we typically don't split up game recaps, but I'm realizing we have a pretty complete Emmanuel quickly centric episode. And I, I don't, I don't even want to sully it by talking about other Knicks. I'm, I'm content with this being an Emmanuel quickly only space. So we'll take a break. We'll cut this episode off here. And we'll be back in just a couple of hours in your feeds with a part two covering the rest of the team. Brilliant nights from Julius Randle, RJ Barrett. Much, much more in just a couple of hours online.